Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Walk Down Memory Lane. Our show today is brought to you by Kamali Electric. And what an absolute pleasure to take a walk down memory lane with one of my all-time favorite Red Sox players and one of my all-time favorite human beings, a great, great, great friend, member of the Red Sox Hall of Fame. A pleasure again to welcome Rico Petroselli to today's program. How you doing, my man? Oh, great, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me on, and it's uh, great hearing your voice. Uh, uh, you know, through all this stuff that's going on here, it's just uh, it's crazy. But uh, you know, we're just gonna hang in there and just uh, hope for the best. Well, that's it. That's it. And uh, certainly, you know, with this pandemic and coronavirus, it, it hasn't limited your your golf swings because you still get out and hit the ball around, right? Well, yeah, I try. You know, I'm, I'm old and decrepit, but uh, I can still uh, <laughs> hit a golf ball a little bit, but. Uh, no, I really like it. You know, it's, it's, it's swinging. You know, it's like baseball, of course, but uh, getting out there and, uh, and trying to trying to hit the ball where it's supposed to be hit. It's a challenge, and so it's fun. Well, I played with you several times, and uh, and you're a very, very, very good player. And I'm also going to mention that you are the chairman of the second annual Wayne Soares Celebrity Golf Tournament that we have coming up uh, Tuesday, October 13th at the Willowbend Country Club in Mashpee. And uh, on behalf of my co-host and daughter, Jesse, we thank you very, very much for all the help and all the work you've done uh, to make this tournament successful. Well, you know, I haven't done uh, much, actually. Uh, initially, you know, to get it going, uh, uh, you know, we talked about it. You and I talked about what needs to be done because, I was with the Jimmy Fund for uh, three plus years, uh, and I was uh, head of the golf program, and uh, so I you know, learned a little bit about how to put them together and what's needed. You know, you need sponsors, and of course, you need players and all that stuff. And then after that, you were the guy, <laughs> Jesse, with a, with a, with both of you did basically all the work, and uh, I'm just so happy to be a part of it because. The cause, uh, the money goes to just a great program. Yeah, homeless and disabled veterans. And uh, mm -hmm. we've got a great relationship with the Cape and Islands Veterans Outreach Center. And um, people have just been, uh, they've been wonderful and, and we're, uh, we're sold out. So I, I think that yeah. when, you, when you say you haven't done much, but name recognition, when you've got someone like yourself and you're, you, know, you allow us to promote the tournament and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's super. And uh, again, my daughter, Jesse, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. You grew up in Brooklyn, New York, yeah. attended Sheepshead Bay High School. Right. Not a lot of people realize not only were you a great baseball player, but Rico Petroselli was also all state in basketball and you played semi pro football. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Uh I, I love basketball. I uh I, I used to watch uh growing up in, in Brooklyn, I used to watch the Knicks and uh I took to it. And you know, it was easy. Uh, one of my Christmas gifts was a basketball, and you can go out there if there was a hoop um, in the schoolyard, and you can go out there and, and shoot around, and you know, uh, and improve. And then we had games. We used to have games there uh, because they had full courts, uh, and going back and forth. I mean, I constantly played all day, um, and uh, you know, built up good cardiovascular system and. Uh, got in great shape from it, not knowing at, 
at that time that, you know, that was happening. And so uh, then we played, yeah, I played some baseball, um, softball in that, uh, in that schoolyard. And it was just, uh, just kept, kept going. And uh, yeah, semi-pro football. And uh, I just love sports. You know, it just took to it. And I had four brothers, two sisters. And uh, my brothers were all big sports fans. They had to go to work. They, they really couldn't uh, continue to play, you know, amateur ball anywhere. And uh, uh, so uh, they didn't get the opportunity that, that I got. And, uh, but and, it, was, it was great. And, and you, you grew up with, you know, your, your dad was very old school. Is it, and, and a lot of uh, parents back in the day, uh, you know, you, you got to go to work. I mean, what's the sports exactly. thing? Absolutely. Uh, uh, we were, uh, my closest brother to my age was 10 years older than me. And uh, parents had me, my father was like 51. And uh, uh, so they were, my my brother really raised me. And uh, yeah, my father coming from him, my father and mother coming from Italy. I mean, what's this baseball? You got to go work. Yeah. But they didn't re- my father didn't realize that professional baseball players got paid. He thought it was, you know, just going out there playing games. He just said, what do you want to be a bum? You know, you don't get any money and you, know, you got to go to work. Come on, let's go. So part time I did. I went to work and uh, played ball. And so, uh, but it was a good lesson. I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, you had to go out there and work. And that helped me with the sports. Mm. You had to work hard to become good. And you always had a tremendous, tremendous work ethic. Now, you uh, you get uh, an invitation to try out with the Boston Red Sox, and they they fly you in, into Boston, and your 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 mother and father are on the plane, and I believe it's your brother Vincent. Is no, Dave. You? Dave. Yeah. Your brother uh, Dave. Take us. Take us. Through, take us through that story. Well, I, yeah, I had uh, very fortunate. I had all all the teams interested, uh, the games that I had in high school, more so outside of the league. I played in a very good uh, uh, amateur league uh, with a team called the Cadets, and scouts would come to all games because there were a lot of guys, uh, talented guys in that league. Pepitone was in it, but before me, he was old, a lot older than me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, so... Uh, um, yeah, uh, so I played in that league, and one one game, I got to tell you, one weekend, we, we played two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and two uh, twilight games, you know, in the summer when when it didn't get dark till, till later. So it was a long schedule. So we had, uh, at the time, 18 or 20 scouts in the stand, and we played a doubleheader in this high school field, and some uh, some pretty good pitching. A lot of, some of the guys who played pro ball didn't make it, came back, but you know still had a lot better stuff than, than uh, some of these other pitchers. And so doubleheader, I hit five home runs. Wow, five home runs, and all the scouts after my brother was there, and they just oh, got to sign. Don't let him sign with somebody else. We were interested, real interested, and they would give him bonuses out uh, in those days. And it wasn't the draft; they could sign anybody. Hmm. You know, from anywhere. So anyway, uh, they, uh, yeah, we go to Boston, my mother and father and my brother, myself, and it's with the 
out. And uh, I had uh, also uh, planned to go to uh, eight, eight or ten others uh, weekends. And so Re- the Red Sox were the first one. Yankees said that they had hit, signed their quota and they were really not interested at the time. Mm. Okay. Went to Boston. Took uh, uh, worked out Friday night and didn't hit a ball out of the cage. Oh my God! Was just, I was really man. And really, weren't, the, weren't, uh, the, weren't the guys? Weren't the veterans there getting on you too? Oh yeah, yeah. They they were they, they were being encouraged. They encouraged me. You didn't take somebody take their job, you know. Mm. Uh, so anyway, next day was uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, with day games, so I saw it all good. I hit about ten balls up in the net, Fenway Park, over the wall. I mean, I was crushing the ball. Wow! So it came the next day, and they said uh, you don't have to work out. Uh, we want you to come upstairs with your family. So we went upstairs, to Mr. Yorkie's, uh conference room, gigantic room, all mahogany walls, ceilings. Beautiful, you know. My father walks in. Hey, it's a nice wood. <laughs> Beautiful the wood you got. And my mother, she was so quiet. My brother, brother Dave was uh, you know, just waiting. So they come in, Mr. and Mrs. Yawkey and all the front office, the general manager sit wow. down on the other side. Yeah. And my father's looking around. He didn't know what was going on. What did he know baseball? <clears throat> so anyway... They said, Mr. Petrocelli, we'd like to uh, like to sign your son, you know, Rico, to a major league contract and a uh, professional contract with us, and we believe that he has a good chance to make it. Uh, so, yeah, hey, look at the wood. That's a nice wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mother, she was, she was, I think she was falling asleep. <laughs> so, they said... Uh, We'd like to offer your son $65,000 bonus to play. And all of a sudden, my father said, What's that? (laughs) $65,000. Oh, he's a good boy, my son. Play baseball. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, They were cracking up. But, you know, he he really thought that, uh, and I didn't even think about it, that, that, you know, you didn't get paid. You didn't get paid. Are you crazy? I mean, and that's, that's huge money. For back yeah. in that day, what what year was that, Rico? Fifty nine or sixty? No, oh, sixty one. Uh, yeah, sixty one. Okay. And then I went uh, after I signed uh, myself and another guy from New York went to the minor leagues for a couple of weeks. They wanted us to see what it was like to ride the buses and and uh, you know see major uh, see uh, professional baseball. Mm-hmm. It, it was good. It, uh, we worked out with the team and then walked in the, in the stands and. Uh, yeah, it was uh, what a journey. It was really something. Uh, I loved, uh, I mean, I loved basketball. I loved baseball also. Uh, you know, Boston was perfect because it was only a couple hundred miles away, and uh, it's uh, you know, Fenway Park with the wall. I mean, wow, uh, this is this is great. And the team wasn't good. And that and that made sense when they said, you know, we don't have a good team, so we're gonna have the opportunity for you to, you know, to really make the team uh, down the line. And it's just, you know, you know, my brother says, hey, that's that's a good idea. I mean, because uh, Yankees are still good, you know. Yeah. 
and uh, the Dodgers uh, had moved out to to uh, uh, L.A. I was a Dodger fan, big Dodger fan, and uh, somewhat of a Yankee fan. I had no choice because all my brothers, sisters were Yankee fans. And this, I says I better I better tell them I'm a Yankee fan because uh, you know I get killed here. <laughs> so, we're uh, that was great. We're taking a walk down memory lane with Red Sox Hall of Famer Rico Petroselli here on a walk down memory lane. Brought to you by Kamali Electric. Rico, touch on uh, you and I have had this conversation before. Just the the presence when you get to to spring training and you see Ted Williams for the first time. It was almost like. John Wayne like, and then tell the yeah. story about him hitting fungos, you know, to the outfielders. Yeah, when Ted would come in, he, he came. I went to the big league camp in Arizona in uh, '63, four and five. Then they moved to uh, Winter Haven in '66. Uh, but Ted would come in, uh, and well, of course, you could hear him from like. You know, five miles away. <laughs> when he'd come in, he'd, you know, Ted, how are you? Johnny Pesky was there. One day he said, and he heard, uh, he heard Ted in the, in the parking lot. He says, uh oh, here comes God. <laughs> <laughs> so Ted would come out loud. How you doing? He'd always have a bat in his hand, you know. So he came out ready to, ready to work with the kids. Oh, especially the young kids. And, uh, of course, he, he, he liked Yaz, too, and he worked with him somewhat. Mm. So, anyway, but, uh, yeah, Ted, uh, he loved to hit fungos to the outfielders. Of course, Chuck, Chuck hit it, too. But what he would do with the outfielders, he'd have them stay in right field, and then they would run across the field, like, for a running catch. And he'd, he'd hit fungos, and he'd hit it in center field. It was amazing. He hit it just enough over the fielder's uh, glove that they couldn't catch it. And he's laughing. He <laughs> you go, hey, Bush. He call everybody Bush. Everybody Bush. Bush That's League, right. yeah. Hey, Bush, yeah, couldn't get it. <laughs> and here goes the next guy. These are all young guys. Some of the, some of the other guys who uh, were established, too. And the same thing. Oh, boy, he'd get a kick out of that. And, he's, you know, after a while, these guys were dying. I mean, it was, it was they were out of breath and uh, couldn't kick the ball, and he was something else. I'll tell you, uh, what a what a guy! And then hitting, oh my God! He, when he talked hitting, he squeezed the bat. He got so excited and he started squeezing the bat. You know, go back and forth with his hands on the handle, and mm. oh my God, it, it almost smelled his burn burning. <laughs> the wood was burning. Is that right? And really? he, oh man, he, and. Then he he would uh, talk about you know half an inch off the plate and do this and do that. We're all kids, all the young guys, eighteen years old or so. Say, I just want to hit the ball, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, but he was good. He taught me. You know, he made the biggest sense. It sounds so simple. Get a good ball to hit. Yeah, it's in his book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get, I a, mean, get a good pitch to hit. Yeah. Don't chase. If the ball's in the dirt, you know, you have to have control, uh, self-control, and just take it and don't get, and, and don't let the pitcher get ahead of you. But also, he would take the first pitch a lot. And for us, if we took a first pitch down the middle, you know, just cut, learning, we'd be in trouble. Mm. 
so we saw the first pitch we saw good. We, we, we just, you know, swung at. So he goes, all right, now you got that. I'll swing at that. 2-0, and you got to look for the fastball. Well, what they do, pitchers, they throw us breaking pitches on 2-0 and mm. just for strikes. And, you know, we'd be falling over ourselves. <laughs> and Ted says, hey, guy, what are you doing? Ted, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, then one time, one time he got up. He was working with the kids. We were all out. The team had gone on the road, and they left all the young guys with him. And he was explaining to a guy, you know, one of the players, left-handed hitter, uh, do this, do that. And the pitcher got a little wild, and you should hear him at the pitcher. Dad, you get the ball over, and Bush. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> so he. He gets this, uh, give me the bat to the kid. Here's what I want you to do. And you should see his swing. Oh, my God. Really? He, it was beautiful. I mean, he hit three or four out out of the ballpark. Mm. We were like, uh, mouths were open. Oh, <laughs> what a swing. It really, he really did have a beautiful swing. What, what? And, uh, yeah, then, you know, he, <laughs> and you say, wow, we were in awe of him. He was great. Did, did he possess a lot of patience? I've read things about him where he wasn't really a, a, a patient guy. Is that true or is that a fallacy? Well, actually, uh, yeah, somewhat. You know, I mean, he was a perfectionist and everything he did, he wanted to just do it right. You know, he, he took up golf one one year there. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we all got invited to uh, the Phoenix Country Club. The whole team and the guys who played God, I, I, I never. I had never really played. Well, I played once or twice in New York when I got home. But uh, so we're out there, and Ted, uh, we had they had somebody played with him, and he said, you know, he he thinks it's easy. He thinks he should, uh, you know, be a scratch golfer. <laughs> so and he struggled. Well, he, he shot probably in the eight, low eighties, you know, which was great because he just started playing, but. When he missed the shot, you could hear him over the whole the whole court, swearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's Ted. He missed the shot, and the guys with him. He said, "There goes the club, throwing the club up in the trees." One one got stuck up in the trees. Oh my God! Somebody climbed up to get it, and then, oh my God, there was uh, a riot. Then he then he took up tennis. But we we're fortunate to be able to be there with a guy like him. You know. Oh. Uh, and you, you you just realize just what a great hitter he was. Mm. And hey, guys, in missed five years. <laughs> Service to five our country. Years. That's right. Oh, my prime goodness. of his prime of his prime of his career too. Yeah, yeah. Prime of his career. Now you, you're also. I don't think people realize this either. Rico Petroselli, you're an Army veteran. You were in for two yeah, years. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, well, I was a reserve actually, and uh, me and uh, I went in the army uh, with Jim Lomborg. Uh, we were supposed to go to, uh, to San Diego for boot camp, and uh, they had a meningitis uh, problem there, so they sent us to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Yeah, we went to uh, it's a basic, and then another, and then you know, the six years. Uh, yeah, it was great. I tell you, the best thing that happened to me and a lot of guys, believe me, you learned, you learned, uh, discipline and perseverance, uh, the marches, 
you know, every morning and uh, taking care of your rifle and you had to be on time, your bed, all of that stuff, you know, you realize, wow, and, you know, you, it helps you to mature, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you take things for uh, granted like that. You do, and you really do, and uh, you, you, you know, you uh, had great respect uh, for the officers, uh, for the enlisted guys there, our sergeant, uh, head of the, head of our platoon, Sergeant Cox, he was a great guy. He, st- he actually stopped me. I was going to go airborne. And he says, hey, hey Petroselli, you over here. Yes. Yes, Sarge. <clears throat> You're a ball player, I heard, professional guy. He says, you don't want to go airborne. He says, you won't have any knees left. <laughs> you'll be, <laughs> you'll be, uh, <laughs> you'd, your feet will be up to your waist. <laughs> Probably <laughs> save you a couple you know, of knee replacements. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you land and you land wrong and all of this stuff before you know. And he said, you know, I said, Sarge, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so it was <laughs> saved me there. Advice well taken. We're, yeah. we're chatting with Red Sox Hall of Famer Rico Petroselli. On a walk down memory lane brought to you by Kamali Electric. Rico, you tell a great story um, from the World Series of 1967. And you're facing Bob Gibson, your mother and father. And you have a friend of yours that has come up from the old neighborhood. And he decides to go ahead and and give your dad the business. Tell us that story because that's a a fabulous one. Well, my father was involved again. And a friend of ours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my whole family was there. You know, we get we don't get tickets. We have to pay. They mm. have to pay for the tickets. So I got the whole family, brothers, sisters, uh, of course, my wife, kids, father, mother, brother. Yeah, my brother Dave was right there, of course, and his wife. So anyway, they were up there. Uh, they had seats behind, uh, not right behind the dugout, but past the little up, you know, further past the. Uh, the walkway there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so they're up there. So my uh, friend, yeah, who talked to my wife, he says, we're going to have a little fun with your father because he didn't know that much about baseball. So anyway, I get up there against Gibson first time and uh, strike one, strike two, swing and miss, strike three, swing and miss, go walk to the dugout. So my friend, he, he doesn't doesn't scream it out, but he yells out, Petroselli, you're a bum. Oh, my father turns around. He's right behind them. He says, "Hey, that's to my son. He's an bum. He's a good kid." Okay, second time up against Gibson. Strike one. Foul the ball off. I get a uh, standing ovation. <laughs> strike two, and then strike three. My friend gets up again. Petrus a little louder. Petruselli, you're a bum. Hey, my father says, "Hey." What's the matter with you? You're crazy? Am I a good boy? My son, my youngest son. Second, third time up, strike one, strike two, strike three. Same thing happens. My father says, hey, what do you want to beat? No. My brother, <laughs> he wanted to jump over the chair. My fourth time up, strike one. Fastball. Oh. Strike two, swinging a miss. Third. Over two, ball one, ball two. Next one, 
swing and a miss. For, uh, my, my, my wife says, my father got to say, Petrocelli, you're a bum. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you, I, I, I did. I struck out four times again. And uh, and uh, I don't know. I foul one ball up. I don't know. He was he was great, and but it was a my uh, my wife says, "Oh my god, that is, it was it was a what a, what a, what a classic story." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they didn't know much about, but we were fortunate that we we were able to take my mother and father mm. uh, to spring training every year. Thirteen seasons, I was uh, there in the, in Winter Haven. Uh, and so uh, that was really we were so happy to you know, be able to do that. Sure, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was I tell you, what, really blessed. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, definitely to have your mom and dad there and to be able to see your, you know, your career, yeah. and uh, that is it's a, it's a great blessing. You know, you talk about Bob Gibson and Nolan Ryan as as well. What you know, obviously they threw extremely hard. But what what yeah. made what made them as good a pitcher, especially Gibson? What made him such a such a great great pitcher? Well, I mean, you know, you gotta have good stuff, as they say. Good fastball. He had a great fastball uh, up in the upper nineties, and then he, Gibson had a great slider too. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, he would pitch up, and then then he'd go low it away with the slider. But his fastball was uh, like Nolan Ryan. He threw it uh, up in the strike zone like they do now, you know, with something to catch up to. And uh, he hid the ball uh, real well. A lot of those great pitchers did. You know, they threw hard, but they also had either a, a made pitch or they just, um, all, all of a sudden, boom, the ball comes out. You know, you don't have time to, to really pick it up. And he was that way. And... Uh, you know, he was a great competitor. He had like a chip on his shoulder. There was, there was no, there was no uh, secret. Tim McCarver, who came with us for a short period of time, he mm-hmm. came over to Boston That's for right. half a year. Mm-hmm. He used to tell us about, you know, Gibson. He he went when he went to the All Star games. He he would not. He'd stay alone. He wouldn't get friendly with the, any of the guys. Is, the opposition is, is that right? Yeah, because he says once you get friendly, you know they think, oh, this guy's really a nice guy, you know. And he, and and you know he had the reputation. He knock you on your rear end if you, you, you know, if you hit a home run off him, or if you you would dig in, mm-hmm. you know, dig in before hitting. And uh, so you know, he was he was just a great competitor, and so was Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, you know, he Nolan Ryan threw ninety eight, ninety nine hundred. Every pitch, mm. every fastball, mm. and if he could get his curveball over, and if he could, if he played on good hitting teams, where if he did have an off day or he walked a lot of guys, you know, uh, gave up a few runs, and his team come back and win, he would have won four hundred games. Mm. That's true. I he, mean, he was a bulldog. He never, never played on talented teams. You went, he had the the no, Angels, he, I think. Well, I take that back. Right, Houston. He played with the Mets. Um, yeah, the Mets. That's right. When he came up, he was with the Mets, and then Houston, and then he played with Texas, and of course, yeah, and, and then Angels. Texas, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but those those early days, he uh, we we stayed close to him. You know, we say, okay, guys, stay close to him. And the pitcher, whoever was pitching for us, knew he couldn't give up 
run. So maybe he, you know, he had a little more focus or something. But mm. you know, he and Tion, he and Tion went fourteen innings one game. Wow! And then uh, fourteen innings. I mean, uh, I think uh, Ryan threw over two hundred pitches, and, and Louis was pretty close to two hundred, or maybe even two hundred. It was unbelievable. But neither one of them would come out. Neither one of them. They want to take Louie out in the night. He says, we don't take me out. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he says, uh, Ryan didn't come out. They said the same thing. The manager went to says, no, I'm good. 10th inning, 11th inning, 12th inning, 13th inning, 14th inning. They beat us. Yeah. Was <laughs> so. The competitive fire still burns for you. That's it. What? Oh, man. What made what made Louis Tank? Because you you know you see you see Louis, he's you know you think of him as like a fun loving guy and stuff like that. But he was a real competitor. What made Louis Tian such a such a really good picture? And he was clutch too, and he proved that in the seventy five World Series. He won he won uh, three games, I yeah. believe, right? Two games, yeah. Uh, Louis was uh, was uh, you know he came out of Cuba. And he had to leave his mother and father there, and he went to the Mexican League where he, he met his wife, Maria. And, you know, he was a kid all alone. Uh, and there weren't that many Spanish kids. It was not like today that were, you know, the, the young kid doesn't speak English. They, they have the uh, two or three, four other Latin kids there who maybe spoke English would help them out. But Louis, Louis was on his own. You know, but he pitched. He pitched well, uh, and then the Cleveland signed him. Uh, and he, I mean, he, he had great stuff then. He Louis had a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball, and he did your favor when he threw your slider. And maybe you were hoping that he hung it, you know. And he had great success in the minors for Cleveland, along with Sam McDowell. Sudden Sam was two hundred miles an hour. That's right. Yeah. Right. And uh, he he came up and uh, he had he had some great success on a lousy hitting team. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Cleveland at that time did not have good hitting teams, but Louis, uh, you know, he won twenty games with them. He had a one sixty earn run average. Mm. So he, I think it was one sixty. Yeah, then he then he uh, they had uh, a bad year, and they. Cleveland let him go or traded him. I don't know what the deal was there. Went to Minnesota and he was in, went to the minor leagues, but he was having trouble. And our triple A team, Eddie Casco was the manager. Haywood Sullivan was the general manager at the time. And Eddie said, take a look at him, you know, uh, Louis Tion. They knew he had success and they, they says, let's, let's sign him. So they signed him, and they found, they checked him out, and they found out he had a cracked vertebrae. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, they healed or whatever they did to it. And the rest is like history. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He, he had a one, I think it was a 190 ERA. One year, he won 20 games a few more times. And you know what he did in the um, – in the World Series, and he he was great in the clubhouse. He's, uh, everybody loves him. Yeah, you, that's, uh, that's what I want to talk about. He kept everybody loose. I mean, didn't he have nicknames oh, yeah. for everybody? He, he oh, called, yeah, nicknames. He yeah. called, called you yeah. Salami, and he called, what did he call Fisk, Frankenstein? Yeah, he called Fisk Frankenstein, uh, Rick Bros and the Rooster. <laughs> and uh, 
Rick Miller. <laughs> Rick Miller was. <laughs> they call him Walking Dead. He says, <laughs> "Yeah, Walking Dead." He had because uh, he had like a, a yellowish complexion. It looked like a, it was a good-looking guy, Rick. <laughs> but and he said, "Dang, isn't you dead, man? <laughs> yeah, you're Walking Dead." He called Walking Dead. <laughs> oh man! Wow. And. Uh, uh, yeah, the Ogilvy, he used to get on Ogilvy. We, Ogilvy was a good hitter. Mm. Plus, he was a, he was a, he became a great hitter when he, after he left up like everybody else. No. Like, Su- no. like Cecil Cooper, right? I mean, look at, look <laughs> That's at right, Cooper. Cecil Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> Cooper. he could hit. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he called Ben Ogilvy, ugly bitch. Now, you, ben Ogilvy bitch. <laughs> you, you also shared a, a great, uh, a really a good relationship with the boomer George Scott, who, in my opinion, one of the great fielding and one of the, one of the, you could argue say one of the great power hitters in the history of the game. Yeah. Uh, it, in my opinion, one of one of the top three glove man over at first base, and I believe he came up as a third baseman, Rico, right? Yeah, that's right. But he had a lousy arm, so mm-hmm. uh, they decided to put him over the first base, and I've made a lot of us happy because he could pick it for it. Oh yeah, he he could, and he had great range there. Good arm, mm-hmm. you know, good enough to make that first uh, the shortstop double play, and uh, the tremendous power. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hit run. He hit he hit a ball in ninety uh, sixty six. I think Yankees came off Hawaii Ford won the third deck, left center field, wow. third deck. Wow, and and. Even Whitey says, "Well, you know, I, I got to tip my hat to that. I've never <laughs> seen a ball go so far." <laughs> yeah, the boomer. the boomer got it. And, yeah. and what did he used to? What, what did he used to call his home run trot? He had a, what did he used to call that? The, the I know he used to he used to hit taters. Well, he used to call home run taters. Tater, yeah, the Cadillac yeah. trot. Is that what it was? He had a Cadillac trot. Yeah, Cadillac. man. And uh, yeah, uh, but he struck out a lot. He chased a lot of breaking pitches. Uh, but I think first year he had twenty six home runs. Uh, until he uh, disciplined himself, you know, he struggled. Mm. And then he had real good success. Traded to Milwaukee, had a, had a big year there, and came back to Boston. And then uh, he started struggling and, uh, uh, you know, not having not having good at-bats. And so they eventually benched him. And then, I don't know if he went, he went somewhere else, I think. Uh, not sure exactly. A couple of teams in. Well, didn't he go to the, Yan- uh, he go he the got, Yankees? I think he did go to the Yankees. The Yankees yeah. or KC? Because I think he went to KC also, Rico. It might have been. Yeah, yeah. a couple of teams uh, gave him a shot. They gave him a shot. But and... uh, it was, it was, it was, he was something. He was great. We had some good guys, uh, talent. You know, but the 67 team wasn't a great team. It was a great, great team. It was young. And uh, uh, we had a four-team race. And, uh, you know, it enabled us to hang in there, and then all the things that uh, Dick Williams talked about, the fundamentals of the game, we started making less mistakes, less we started winning games, late innings, and it was fun. And we, you know, we, we got confident, and then when we came to the ballpark, we felt, you know, we could beat anybody. Uh, and then it came down to the last day, and yes, yes, it's uh, fabulous year. Uh, uh, you know, he was the, he was the guy, he, he carried it. Carried the club, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He carried, he did, and uh, you know, but uh, a lot of other guys uh, helped out too. 
and Lomberg had a great year. We had the uh, it was just it was just fun, you know. Mm. The games the game has changed. Uh, you know, I've been watching the games uh, now with the you know, with the virus and all that. I don't know how long it's going to last uh, this year, to say the truth. Uh, but I know the owners want to want to get the playoffs and World Series in, mm. of course. But uh, you know, there's new rules and uh, there's uh, a different way of uh, the theory of hitting now with the uppercut and all that stuff. And you know, um, DH, uh, all of the all of that, and it's it's a little different game. But uh, you know, we got some great talent out there too. Mm. You know, some great players and. I tell you, Wayne. There, overall, the size of these guys are m- much bigger than the years that I played. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a guy. We had, if you had a guy six three two two twenty, he was a, he was a monster. Mm. I mean, <laughs> now you know, almost every guy is you know every power hitter is big. Well, who was, uh, who was the guy back in the day that was uh, the probably the biggest guy? Was it Frank Howard? Was Frank Howard? Six, Frank Howard six, was seven, six, six eight. Yeah. This day, 300 pounds, I mean, he had a ball. I mean, the whole infield would move to left center, to the, halfway out to the outfield. Mm. I mean, he was uh, he was a monster. Boy, he hit, he hit top top of ball. And when I went over the third, he, he, he would be spinning so fast that you'd have to close your glove with two, you know, two hands. Wow. So it would, it would spin out of your glove. It would be really... Uh, he had such great power, but the the kids, now, you know, they're hitting the ball a long way, and uh, uh, a lot of stuff has changed. Uh, uh, and baseball is struggling a little with that, you know, with the kids aren't watching as much at TV. It's it's slow. It's so well, it's always been slow, not not as slow as this, but right. So they they they've got a lot to do to you know to kind of bring that popularity back. Uh, I don't know exactly what it would take, but I will say though that the athletes and, the, and these athletes they love the game too. I mean, some of the old timers get you know ah, these guys are making too much money and they, they don't they don't love the game like you. They love the game. They work hard. Mm. You know, there's more pressure on them too. They got to perform, or I'll see you later. Sure. With you know, so uh, I don't begrudge them. You know, you. Kind of to on the flip side of this, and I wanted to get this uh, out during the course of this interview. And we're talking with Red Sox Hall of Famer Rico Petroselli here on a walk down memory lane, brought to you by Kamali Electric. You had a, a player that you idolized that played for the New York Yankees, and uh, oh man, you you had a chance to. Uh, I think you walked, and he was yeah. playing first base at the time. Take us through that. Yeah. I mean, and 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 how good, how good was Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle, great. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, we, uh, I think everybody idled him. Uh, was, you know, uh, he's, uh, he was everyone's idol. Uh, everybody liked him. You know, Mantle was uh, very uh, humble. He wasn't a guy that would be, you know, say, I'm Mickey Mantle. Mm. Uh, he came from Oklahoma, you know, small town, and uh, uh, his father was, a ball player, not a pro ball player, but he loved baseball too. So Father he was, went out there with the kid. Was Mutt, I believe. Mutt Mantle was his nickname. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, so anyway, you know, uh, I, we all I, I mean, he hit. You talk about uh, long home runs. I mean, the old Yankee Stadium it was 
467 feet to center field, and he hit a bunch out there past that. Must got to be close to 500. And then the ones that he hit, uh, hit the facade up in right field, the third deck, all the way out, almost went out of the ballpark. And then right-handed, I mean right-handed, he was a good right-handed hitter. Uh, and he hit the ball a long, long way. Uh, just that and uh, his speed, you know, just, oh, man, this guy was nice-looking guy, you know. And you didn't have much TV, but you had some TV to see them, certainly. And then the, the baseball cards, you know, you always look for Mickey Mantle cards. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I got to play again. So we're, first time, uh, I walk, and here's Mantle at first base. And, you know, the coach says, oh, you got one out or no out, whatever it was. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, next to Mickey Mantle. And so, geez, I'm like nervous. Like a, <laughs> like a little, you know, seven-year-old. And so I says, I want to say hello, touch him, you know? <laughs> and so the next hitter gets up there, so I take my lead, and uh, the first pitch is the ball. And so I come back, I says, God, should I say hello? What if he says, you know, take a high kid, don't talk to me, I'll die, I'll die. And so take my lead again, next pitch, ball two. I said, Two and zero, you know. I, I come by. I gotta, I gotta say something. I, you know, because I figure the next pitch will be a strike, so they'll, uh, they'll hit it. Probably some the next hitter will hit it somewhere, and I won't. That's it. You know, it could be a double play. I won't get a chance. So I'm saying, the pitcher's getting ready, and all of a sudden I hear, "Hey, Rico, how you doing?" <laughs> I went, "It's Nikki." I said. I'm all right, Mick. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm great. like I'm a veteran. You're a buddy. I was like, oh my god! I went home. I told my brother, Mick, get a load of me. Oh, that's great. Oh, my oh what a what a thrill! I say, and they still had uh, they still had their uh, the core of players, you know, uh, Mantle and uh, Richardson and, and Kubek and yep. and uh, Boyer and Thurby. Wilson Howard, oh wow! Playing in Yankee Stadium was a, what a thrill. The old Yankee, old old Yankee. Yeah, that was, was a big, a, was a big, big ballpark, right? Oh, yeah, the, the big big ballpark. Rico, you you played in a few All Star games. What what was that? What's that feeling like for you? I mean, and you, you come oh, here, you're young, and all of a sudden, boom, yeah. you're you're around all these All Stars. Yeah, I, I picked. I was picked in '67, '69, and then. Then I was picked in 70, 71, and 72. It took by the manager. But, um, well, we didn't go, you know, just the Yawkey came and suggested we take, get a rest because we seemed to be in the race the first half of the season, hmm. a lot of seasons. And then, you know, we'd fizzle out a little bit, not enough for this, or not enough for that. But anyway, this year, yeah, 67 was, was really great. It was in Anaheim. It turned out to be a 15-inning game. And behind the plate was uh, Ed Rungi. Ed Rungi was a, a tough, tough uh, uh, umpire enough, behind yeah. the plate. Better enough. So when he'd be behind the plate, he'd be there when the team came out. He says, okay, boys, you got to be swinging today. I got a date. 
They got a dinner date today. Let's go. And I'll tell you, anything close, the first two pitches, strike one, strike two. You look, come on, Ed, if you're a veteran. And uh, he'd be okay in the third. You know, he would be, if it was was close and off the plate, he'd, he'd give you the ball. But you better be swinging. Now, if you're a rookie kid, you come up and you're a wise guy and all that stuff. And, you know, you would look back. At the umpire, even even say a few words with him. Forget it. You were done. You were done. <laughs> it was it. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Out of here. <clears throat> yeah, you go complain, and he would go up to the manager and say, "Look, you better tell this kid to shut up if he wants to stay in the big leagues." Wow. <laughs> <With me. laughs> he was tough. Wow. So he was the, he was the man. He was the umpire in this '67 uh, All Star game. Mm. 37 strikeouts, he called. Wow. 15 innings. Wow. Strike one. Let's go, boys. Let's move it. <laughs> and he was PO'd. If he had one extra innings, boy, he was mad. Wow. Let's go here. Wow. But, you know, we all knew we all knew it. So we knew anything close, boy, you better be swinging. Sure, sure. Uh, and the game, the game, normal games went fast. So uh, I had uh, gotten hit with a pitch about two weeks, uh, a week before that. And it was really bad, my left wrist. And so it wrapped it up, and uh, I got one at bat. And then they took me out. So I went into the clubhouse. So going to the clubhouse, I'm kind of sitting at my lock, and all of a sudden this guy comes in with a couple of people around. That's who it is. Mickey Mantle. Wow. Mick. Oh, Mickey, how you doing? All right. Yeah, good, good. You know, by that time, we knew each other a little bit better. Sure. And so he comes in. He, he goes to his locker. Yeah, the game's, the game's on. And so he goes, he, he uh, yeah, he goes into his, uh, uh, the trainer's room. And they start wrapping him from the ankles all the way up to the waist. Wow. And that leg, that one leg he, where he damaged it the, the drain you get it caught in the in, drain in that's right yeah and here he goes he's uh, it's like a mummy i'm telling me I'm like, oh my god so he dresses goes out there and so i'm looking at the guy you know uh, in, you know, the dugout looking at the field he goes in strike one strike two strike three boom okay you know, run you didn't care they rag him up or he's swung and missed so he comes back we go there to the dugout uh, he goes, <laughs> goes to the training room. They take his wraps off, goes showers, dresses, and he's gone. <laughs> nice to be Mickey Mantle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but they, well, because of his leg, you know. Sure. And he, he didn't go through all of that, uh, all of the stuff. But he was just, what a, I'm telling you, what a guy. Uh, he was so humble, so so nice. And, and played in a, in a great deal of pain. Throughout his yeah. throughout his career, and I forget reading something about uh, Casey Stengel said that he could run like the wind before he got hurt, before oh. before he caught his his cleat in the drain because he didn't want to run into Joe DiMaggio. He was going right. for a fly ball. Right? He wanted to stay away exactly. from Joe D. And yeah. that that's unbelievable, uh, Rico. As we wind down here today, who was your who was your top manager of all time? That, that you really enjoy. I know you played for, well, you played played, for a lot of them, but. Well, I played for five managers. Uh, last one was Don Zimmer. 
Uh, I, I would say uh, Daryl Johnson was really good to play with, play for. Daryl's quiet, you know. Dick, late, was, Dick Williams was tough, tough, you know. Total opposites, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Eddie Casco was great. Eddie just passed away, and uh, he was, he was great. He was. You could talk to him and Daryl too. You go in and and talk to them. Dick uh, Dick Williams was. You know, I'm the boss. Uh, just uh, yeah, my door is always open. Yeah, but uh, like five inches. <laughs> with a rope with a rope around it yeah. that is great yeah five so inches anyway. yeah. he was tough. yeah he was tough he was but tough. we learned a lot and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you know that with Dick Williams Bobby Doerr was the first base coach and I mean you couldn't you couldn't have a better guy mm. and Bobby was wonderful we loved Bobby and he was the hitting instructor and he would he would say swing down on the ball. Ted Williams would swing swing a little up on the ball. And they always went at it and was right to to hear to hear them. But he was a Bobby was a great, uh, really great uh, hitting coach and a wonderful person. So and Williams really uh, respected him, right? They they enjoyed. Oh yeah, close. well they were best friends. Yeah, yeah very close. Yeah, because I think and, he used to live out in Portland, Oregon, right? Bobby Doerr? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. Somewhere in Oregon, he would go. Fishing a lot, of fishing down there, and Ted would go in to visit him every year, and they made a tape at it, actually of them arguing about it. Really, <laughs> it was, it was oh, funny. that's a collector's yeah. item. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Rico, so, you, you are also a, a great man of faith, and you have a tell us a little bit about your show on uh, yeah on Saturdays that you do. Right, uh, we uh, I do a, a show with uh, the state director, uh, New Hampshire Fellowship. Christian athletes. I became a Christian in 74. It changed my life totally, besides the worship of uh, uh, belief in uh, faith in Christ. Uh, that uh, it, it just changed my life. I mean, I was a guy bad, a real bad temper and uh, uh, you know, just, just not a nice guy, believe it. Uh, I mean, people don't realize I had a rough volatile childhood uh, coming up and we did a lot of fighting and all that stuff and uh, didn't have yeah actually my mother my mother was a church goer so I went to church with her and that was that was good because uh, and then uh, my wife Elsie uh, contracted cancer in 1969 right after I had the big year 40 home runs and uh, wow and we went to the doctor, he took a biopsy and found that uh, she had cervix, she mm. the cervix. And uh, so she got a partial hysterectomy and he said, five years, if she doesn't have a recurrence, then we got it all, hopefully. <laughs> you never know. Right. So what, uh, you talk about pressure, man. Plus and you had young 70- kids? Well, we had, we had four young, three, yeah, four young kids. Four she young had kids. It, uh, after the fourth child, Danny, four boys had and uh yeah wow and uh i would you talk about depression and all that and uh, nervousness i wasn't a good teammate i started to my uh numbers started to go down you know and uh on the field and not a good teammate those years and uh yeah and then uh, we met a guy came in the clubhouse he was uh, just came out of seminary and uh he had a son that had cystic fibrosis 
And I just, uh, he's shaking hands with everybody. They didn't know who he was. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how he got in the clubhouse. But anyway, we had a cup of coffee after the game, and I explained what happened. He says, well, you know, my son, just a fibrosis, and we just gave it to God. And uh, I wanted to get uh, just really make total, uh, you know, uh, commitment. Mm-hmm. And I went to seminary, and he wanted to get involved with a, a ministry that was uh, sports. They love the Red Sox. And uh, so when I, you know, it's just a fibrosis. The, the kids didn't live to, to to their teenage years. Right. I mean, they, it just was a very difficult. So I told him about it. He said, well, this is what I did. I said, uh, as a Christian, I uh, I committed my life to, to Christ and to change, change my ways. And uh, I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever. And so I didn't realize at first. And uh, so he gave me a Bible. We prayed, said a prayer, and uh, I, I said a prayer, committing myself uh, to being a Christian and changing my life. Uh, and he gave me the Bible, and gradually, and he came on the road with the team to have service. The first week, nobody showed up except me. I said, <laughs> I, I said, Pat. Pat Janamasos was, uh, and he said, Pat, I believe in miracles, but this one I don't know about. These guys are not going to come here. And there was nothing around. There was no chapel program. Mm. So he says, no, I'm going to stick with it. Sure enough, the next next time we went on the road, Dwight Evans and Denny Doyle came down, mm. made the same commitment. And uh, we we uh, every week, more and more guys came down. Like by the end of the year, it was like 14, 15 guys. Wow. <clears throat> it was incredible. And so, you know, and then after that, uh, we stayed close to Pat and his wife and uh, started, uh, you know, get into it more, praying more. And I realized, you know, I was a tough kid when I was young, fighting and all that, but realized that doesn't get you anywhere. Mm really doesn't get you anywhere. All this stuff that goes on, it's anger, anger inside, but the relationship with Christ and uh, the scriptures, you know, which I never, never opened. I never even knew anything about the Bible. So, so, uh, my kids then also made the commitment and, uh, we went to a good church and we grew and knowledge, uh, you know, and, and closeness to our, our the, to Christ. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know it's been that way, and and it's helped our marriage, helped the relationships with people, uh, other people, and the caring. I mean, you know, when you when you're not close to God, it's the world, it's, it's self centeredness, all self. You do everything for self. You know, baseball. Oh, you got to have the staff. This way you know you wouldn't be traded or you think you wouldn't be traded, so you're safe. And you relied on that, the worldly thing. Mm. And it just doesn't work. It's not going to last. All this, you know, the glitz and glamour and the power and all that stuff. And uh, we realize that. And the thing you want to do is help others, help other people. That's what it says. That's what Christ did. He didn't come come to, to... to have people serve him. He came to serve other people. And of course, to save them from salvation. And, uh, wow, it was just so awesome. And, uh, I, you know, I studied out, uh, study the Bible and, uh, this fellowship of Christian 
the Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, is, a, is a ministry that goes into uh, schools, and we have Bible studies with the kids. Uh, that probably initially come from Christian families, you know, and they'll invite kids who are non-Christian. And, uh, you know, uh, we mention, uh, we say a little prayer, we do a little something in the Bible, and the rest is that the kids, you know, what's going on in their lives. And there's a lot of stuff going on. It's not easy growing up, especially nowadays. Yeah, today is tough. And that commitment it is the greatest thing I ever did. I tell you, with, uh, with me being, uh, being for the last three years of my, my career with the stock, it was great, but it was the happiest time compared to the first 10 years mm. where I, I really had no relationship with God and that. Uh, and it's, you know, there's the people who don't say, ah, that's baloney. No, no. Things have happened. Rain, unbelievable things have happened uh, in my life, in my family's life, that you know it had to be from God. Mm, yep. And, uh, Mine too. Yeah. Mine and too. Uh, believe me, I, you know, I don't go on the street corners and, you know, start preaching and all that. No, if a person is interested, uh, you know, wants to know more about it, I could help out and uh, help out, uh, explain, like Pat explained to me. Even in the beginning, I didn't really realize I wanted my wife to be healed. And I went to church enough as a kid that, you know, I know it was God. Uh, and so as I got into the scriptures, Pat helped explain more what what Christ did for us uh, and our believing in him we're forgiven of sin and we we have we can go to heaven for eternity and now being you know little uh, older citizens uh, senior citizens so it's <laughs> even more meaningful I know where I'm going right and so it's changed my life and my family it's just been the greatest thing that's ever happened well, I certainly I've been on uh, a beneficiary of some of your uh, wisdom uh, relating to, yeah. uh, to to Christ, and I, I never forget a very very dear friend uh, Raymond Berry, who you know, the former uh, mm, coach sure. of the New England Patriots and uh, NFL Hall of Famer, who who said to me, uh, "I uh, this this walk on earth is is difficult enough, and I can't imagine it without Jesus Christ by my side." So yeah. Um, you know that's uh, that that's wonderful. I appreciate you uh, appreciate you sharing yeah, that. And um, well, it, it, it it's been uh, it's it's been wonderful having you on our inaugural show today. And I thank you so much, my dear friend. I really really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I uh, I'm so happy to be on with you. Uh, I, I look forward to the golf tournament. We're going to have lots of fun there, and they're going to raise money for for great bunch of guys uh, tell you the veterans uh, we love them what they've done for us imagine bullets coming at you bombs and all that stuff you know mm. <laughs> and then uh those who gave their life uh it's just great people men and women mm. and so it's great being on with you and i look forward to seeing you again well thank you yeah, you too my friend and and our guest That's today right. has been red sox hall of famer rico petroselli this has been a walk down memory lane brought to you by Kamali Electric, I'm Wayne Soares. We'll see you again next week.